I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, September 16th, 2017. The economic health of this nation has been... four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline in the dollar. Lack of better word. Late rally on Wall Street. Big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on radio. I'm Troy Harmon, your host today. Bill Laco is not with us today. So we've got some folks that can yell in the background, Sell! <laughs> Which I think is his benchmark, right? That is. That's, uh, that's that was pretty good. Now that's I'm, pretty I'm, good. It's going to be hard to do the rest of the show without being able to hear. But thank <laughs> you for that. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I'm uh, joined today by Jim Crone, who uh, has a couple of designations. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's uh, focused on insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, he can answer all kind of questions about insurance. Sure. Um, it's uh, it's good conversation. Um, Jim has his CLU. Yes. And his CFS, and That's of right. course, anybody who's listened to us talk to Jim before knows that he is the CFS, the Certified Fund Fun, fun, fund well, Specialist. What I paid for, I, what I paid for, and what I went through the schooling for was the Certified Fund Specialist. Fund. But I like to also think of it as, hey, I'm a fun guy. Oh, you are without a doubt the most fun guy ever. <laughs> I'll go with that, too. There you go. Uh, so if, you, if you run it all together, I have a clue and oh, I have fun. Absolutely. The only guy around here with a clue that I know of. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you also hear the voice of Casey Smith, who is a CFP. He's uh, one of our managing associates in uh, our planning division at Hensler Financial. Casey, is there anything else? Just CFP? Oh, yeah, you have an MBA, right? You got I do the have MBA, an MBA to get the CFP. That's right. You paid good yeah, money for that. Like the, I did, and I always forget about it. That poor <laughs> MBA gets left off. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. The, I do the MBA is what got you to the point of the CFP, I that would is, imagine. Yeah. That is part of it, yeah. Right. All right. But so, I do have initials at the beginning of my name, unlike. That's right. Else. You've got them on both ends. So, that's yes, right. that. KC. CFP. That's it. How about uh, we're just a lot of letters. It. It's an alphabet soup up here. Yeah, yeah. Jim uh, was bragging earlier. He's, uh, he says that he's got a new designation. I do. And, it's official. Uh, and it's uh, probably more important to him than pretty much any other. And I can imagine I, why. I wear it with proud, uh, with with dignity and pride. It's, How about that? It's a grandpa. I'm grandpa. Grandpa. Yeah. grandpa Jim. Amen. I'm happy yeah. about that. All right. Uh, you said they call you what again now? Well, I, it, we nothing took yet. It, we took it from where I called with my kids called my dad, Opa. It's German. Sure. It's the German name for grandfather. And I happily let my brothers know that, hey, they asked the question, what are you going to be called? I said, Opa. And they, one of them said, hey, wait a minute. No, you're no Opa. I know Opa. And you're not him. You are not that guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I didn't even realize you were German. That probably yeah. explains a lot of the way you dress in October, right? <laughs> that's yeah, that's a, right. It's coming. You have Lederhosen in those awesome-looking right. blonde ponytails. That's right. You know? <laughs> that's where the fun comes in. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. 
not kidding. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, all right, so uh, market, that's what we're here to talk about, some financial markets. Uh, S&P 500 is up 13% on the year. Who would have thunk? Hmm. Uh, just keeps going and going. Uh, the one thing that I've been looking at this uh uh, this week, I've, you know, I've talked about it before, how the market looks a bit expensive. If, if you look at the price-to-earnings ratio relative to its long-term uh, rate, which is about 16.5, is the long-term price-to-earnings ratio of the S&P 500. Right now, we're a little above 21, almost 21.5, um, which is, if you do the math real quick, about 29% premium. Uh, it's not... Uh, to the point it was, you know, while I'm talking about this, we're not at 1999, 2000 levels yeah. where the P.E. was at 30. Mm. Um, I think it got even up to 31 or two at, at some point, you know, uh, mid-month. Nowadays, it's so far in the history that I have to not look at it on a daily basis. But mm. Still getting uh, pretty pretty expensive, though, Troy. It is. And, uh, it is. You know, we've kind of been projecting... A little bit of a pullback, possibly, um, although it looks like Congress cleared some of the hurdles that we were concerned about. You know, the hurricane helped out with uh, a little bit of the um, uh, uncertainty around uh, as they were going to package together some the debt ceiling increase right. with some of the hurricane relief. So that actually helped out in terms of being able to uh, get some something through Congress. Right. Um, and, and that has helped the market this week. Sure. Uh, I, I tell you what, what happens when you got a market that's ex- as expensive as it is at the moment. It doesn't take uh, anything that we could forecast sometimes to, to trigger, trigger that sell-off. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I will talk about, though, is first quarter, and I've said this before, first quarter earnings were up 15.5%. Second quarter ended about 9.6% higher. Uh, during that same period of time, you know, while we're getting these releases, uh, the stock market was up a little better than 5%. So you've got earnings that are catching up mm. with the market. So it's uh, making making it a little easier, at least uh, for, for me to understand and know what's going on in the market. But uh, all things considered, you know, huge rally year to date. Information technology, the market's up 13%. IT is up 26.6%, twice the level of the market. Wow. Uh, we do have two sectors that are down. Both telecom and uh, energy are down approximately 10.5%. Um, healthcare's done well, rallying back to 21.76% gain on the year. Uh, if you look just in the last week, financials are up 3.72%. But uh, longer term, over the over the uh, year to date in 2017, they're only up 7.5%. So what's going on with that? Uh, at least on the week, is is a rally in insurance companies. Yeah. Um, there was a huge sell-off. They, they dodged a bullet. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, last week. And you know what's so strange is when we have an active uh, hurricane season, uh, it really does hit the property and casualty insurers. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to some of the executives talk last week before the, the Hurricane Irma hit shore, uh, in the U.S., and they were talking about the fact that uh, a lot of the damage that's done is due to flooding. So the the common uh, insurance policy actually doesn't cover that. Right. Uh, only yeah, one, in, federal, one in four. Uh, a federal program that uh, covers exactly. the flood insurance piece of it. So right. most of your in- insurers don't get hurt when there's flooding because they're not having to pay out those claims. Exactly, exactly. But you couldn't tell it by the way the market treats those property and casualty insurers. Right. Uh, you know, over multiple years I've sat and watched how um, 
you you get a little bit of news about hurricanes and the market starts selling off those property and casualty <laughs> insurers. If you really wanted just to play a, a seasonal kind of trade, and we're not into trading, but you can see these patterns in the market sure. uh, from uh, August 1st through about the end of September, you could probably short uh, property and casualty insurers uh, as a group and then buy them back at the end of that. And usually by the end of the year, they, they uh, do tend to reflate pretty quickly. So we've seen some of that this week. Um, obviously, uh, we did have some some uh, damage and devastation, loss of life, which is uh, absolutely nothing to, to uh, yeah. make light of. But um, ultimately, you see what the market has done there in the financials. So I've uh, got a few uh, announcements for uh, the economy. Wholesale trade uh, inventory building is maintaining the, its momentum. Uh, looks to be uh, positive on the week. Got that information last Friday. Uh, producer price index. This is uh, uh, price changes, inflation, if you will, uh, in the uh, the early stages of production. Uh, 2.4% year over year. It was up 0.2% in the month. Um, that was the final demand number. Uh, it fell in July and uh, it rose slightly at 0.1% in June. So we're back to a to an inflation there. Um, Still not a not a whole lot of inflation going on. It doesn't appear. No. I mean, it looks like it's pretty moderate. And I don't know what you've seen recently on the likelihood of an, uh, an interest rate increase on the horizon. Yeah, the, I guess it's not projected until close. early next year. March. At yeah, the, at the, the earliest. March March uh, meeting is where they the options imply that we will have our next uh, 25 basis points or 0.25 percent increase in uh, interest rates uh, as managed by the Fed. Um, we do have a uh, consumer price index came out this week as well, uh, 0.4% increase in the index, 1.9% um, year over year. Uh, that's, that is going to be boosted a little bit by hurricanes. It's expected that uh, uh, you're, you're going to see it this time a little bit higher, but you know, the, the hurricane uh, damage actually makes people quit spending their discretionary funds. Uh, everybody turtles up, basically. They, <laughs> they don't want to they don't want to spend that discretionary money. They hang on to it. Gas prices obviously spiked higher. Yeah. Um, but most other things are, are probably going to decline. It's going to be short term volatility is what we would expect uh, and, and really not a, an indicator that inflation's on the rise. Uh, on a on a more cyclical meaning related to the business cycle uh, level, um, and uh, jobless claims. This is another one of those things that we expect will be increased uh, due to the displacement uh, from the hurricanes. Uh, we did see that bump up just a little bit this week. Um, strangely enough, mortgage uh, applications jumped on the week as well, um, and and uh, what the index is up. 9.9% both uh, uh, refinance and um, new purchases are are a bit higher. So uh, in either case, it's kind of strange to see some of that going on. We're going to take a real quick break right here. Uh, we'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Money Talks. It's time for the... Of the week. All right, guys, the uh, more of a traditional dog of the week this week 
Um, how in the world can anybody but Martin Screlly be the dog of the week? This guy, <laughs> this guy, he's waiting for his sentencing phase after being, um, what did he get, charged with uh, fraud in a couple of cases. This guy has been a, uh, a hedge fund manager and then the CEO of a small pharmaceutical company, best known for jacking up the price of a certain pill from $13.50 to $750. It was a, a life-saving uh, pharmaceutical, I think it uh, cures something related to hepatitis C. Mm. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's he's kind of a household name, but uh, not the way you really want to become no, <laughs> notorious, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, so this week, after being out on bail, $5 million bail, mm-hmm. uh, he decides to post on his Facebook account, which has 70,000 followers, one of which must have been the judge, uh, <laughs> that he would pay $5,000 for anyone who could obtain the hair, a hair, from Hillary Clinton while she's on her book tour. What in the world he's going to do with nice. this? I don't know. He's just It's just crazy. He knew he was stepping into to, uh, deep water because then he went back and said, oh, it's just a joke. Yeah. You know, this is this is all just a, a joke. Yeah, I, a I'm just saying. The, but yeah. then the next day he puts out this thing <laughs> that says the hair, follo- the hair also has to have a follicle on the end of it. So, so you retract it initially and then you put it back out Hillary the next Clinton? Is that what I, they're working on? I don't know if he's trying to clone Hillary Clinton or not, but I think if you were going to clone anyone, it would be anyone but a politician. And that <laughs> yes. cuts across every single party yes. uh, everywhere. So we could find somebody new to clone if that's what he was after. But I, this guy just doesn't know when to be quiet. Yeah. He's hit all the wrong buttons at the wrong time, right? Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, an industry that I absolutely love, finance, mm. he's he's uh, making all of us uh, <laughs> look a little bit weird. I'm no Martin Screlly, and I'm proud of it. There you go. <laughs> anyway, guys. Wear that so, with a badge of honor, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I wish he would just hush. I, he's, he's obviously talented in some way, or he wouldn't have wrested control of... Uh, of companies like that, I think at one point he had, he had uh, raised ninety million dollars from investors to to buy into the pharmaceutical company that uh, that he ultimately controlled. But man, mm. just hush. Yeah, that is good stuff right there. Mm. All right, uh, talking about good stuff, Jim would like to talk to us about a case. We, we do have a scenario that. Um, <clears throat> We have, uh, we'll use this as somewhat of a template. It, the, the scenario is William and Betty, and they, you could put uh, interchangeable names in there, but uh, the framework for this particular situation is they're a young couple. They've got some young kids. He's 37, she's 42. They both actively work. Um, and in the planning arena, they have come to us and said, hey, how do we set things up for our our own situation and and in that conversation we oftentimes talk about protecting the things that they need to protect and with that comes a conversation about life insurance Mm -hmm. and given that they both work at at large companies uh, they each have with them they carry a sizable amount of um, two or three times of their salary is available to them through the company as a benefit that doesn't come at a cost for them. And so life insurance it, through the company, through the company, which okay. is 
nice because corporations can access these kinds of policies. They're called group insurance. And obviously with large companies, they can spread that risk across a whole bunch of folks and give these uh, employees some really nice benefits. But the conversation shouldn't stop there because uh, while one or two times their salary is, is nice to have as a no-cost benefit, sure. it may not necessarily cover their need. And so that's where we step in and start having conversations about, all right, um, what happens if? That's a typical question. What happens if, if God forbid, one of them passed? With young right. kids, you know, how long do they need some of that replacement of income, which is a big factor we think and look at, uh, relative to the life insurance question. Yeah, and that's the key. The key word there is replacement of income. And for how long do you need it? I mean, mo- most people aren't going to need the insurance to last through the proceeds from an insurance policy to last for, you know, the rest of their spouse's life necessarily. I True. mean, that would be something that might be a little bit of an overkill situation. In this case, you know, if it's insurance that's covered through the company, one factor is also the taxability of those proceeds because if they're not actually paying the premiums, then the benefit would be taxable to them whenever they uh, received it. Is that right, Jim? KC, it sounds like you've been down this road before. On some I may not have arena. a clue. But <laughs> he, he doesn't I, have a clue. No, I checked it. I look, I, I'll vouch for him on that one. But look, all of those factors are things that we get our clients to stop and think about. We're not going to tell them straight up, hey, you have to do this. It's We want to put things in a perspective to help them put the plan above whatever product eventually gets potentially put on the table. And that's a big part of what we try to stop and think about. So um, term insurance represents a huge opportunity here to get great coverage, guaranteed premium, guaranteed death benefit at very low cost. Um, I do these um, studies or analysis every couple of years. Um, We look at the term rates and we look at them in the typical age bands starting at 30 and 35 and 40 and 45 and range them all the way up to 65. And we look at these term costs and what we have seen is these costs have come down. Mm-hmm. And you start looking at that and you start wondering how in the world does that happen? Well, actuarially, insurance companies have figured out that people are now living longer, which in turn allows them to reprice product at a cheaper level. It's one of those rare products in the market where uh, over time actually rates can actually sometimes come down and there's pockets of it. There's not a across the board situation, but for um, <clears throat> William and Betty, the cost of two 20 year term products, which allows for their kids to get themselves through college. If in fact, somebody had a, a, a very unfortunate event, um, that's the focus of what we were trying to, to key in on low cost term coverage to get them through the meaningful part of their growing up years. And obviously also to take care of the spouse if and when something happens. We also sort of, um, in that prospect of looking at the plan, we want to key in on the, the areas that make the most sense, life insurance to, to cover that. But even taking another step into the arena and, and adding some things about disability insurance. People look at disability insurance uh, not as uh, common in terms of where it fits, but at the end of the day, on, an act, uh, uh, on a statistical basis, people become a whole, disabled a whole lot more than they actually pass away. Really? Especially younger people. Um, so yeah. that's one of the things to look at is, you know, that's going to be not only a uh, – 
a burden because you now are, have a, a disability. So there's some kind of there's going to be some expense Added usually uh, that's tied with that. But it's also a loss of income situation. So the disability factor to me is is almost more important than the life insurance. I mean, obviously you need to protect both. Right. Um, but but disability is is a key point. I'm glad you brought that up, Jen. Well, many times we also get asked the question. You know, I, my my cousin or my friend um, has shown me this wonderful, uh, powerful, permanent product, and those are great things. <laughs> But at the end of the day, the question starts to become everybody has some limit to what a budget looks like. Yes. And so you start looking at that and you say, well, I could spend, a, I don't know, $1,000, $2,000 a month to put it into this permanent product that's going to eventually pay me some nice things down the road. And then we stop and think, well, all right, if you had unlimited funds, that might be a neat idea. But if if we're looking at making sure we have protection, let's key in on some low-cost term insurance and, and layer in something that could actually give you better well-rounded insurance, which is adding some disability. Yeah, and if you do have disposable income that's above and beyond your need, you know, let's say you buy a term policy, if you had $1,000 a month to spend on it and term policy costs 200 bucks a month, yeah, which probably would be expensive. That would be expensive <laughs> for these folks. Yeah, So, that, but that $800 could be invested. Sure. And you put that into some type of investment vehicle that would grow and, and hopefully give you a benefit just like a whole life policy would in terms of the, the growth of those assets. But you're not having to it's, – it's a lot easier to access should you have a need for it. True. You know, Troy, this may shock you, but <clears throat> given, oh, what we, shocks me, given what we talked about before, me, me being a fund specialist. Yeah. Um, without the D? Is w- yeah, without the D. Okay. Um, when it comes to insurance, we – a lot of times to sort of take we'll take a basic approach i mean because at the end of the day what are you trying to do what that's the first question what are we trying to protect what are we trying to do and as many of the fancy answers that are out there what we found is that we've over 25 years i've seen a lot of them the more basic is probably the more the more way to the the way to deal with things and give you protection that way you can go and do other things that are meaningful for you and your family and, and how you invest and all the other things that go with that. Keep right. it now, simple, it, stupid. It, there you go. Exactly. So to, to Casey's point, uh, maybe we can touch on that when we get back, but uh, a, a long-term product, life-type uh, product is going to be – uh, more limited in its returns than We're, the stock market generally? Yeah, and we'll we'll look at some different aspects of tools that we want to focus on. When we buy those limited protection products, we want to see that they have links to be able to transition if and when there's something that need, is needed down the road. All right, well, let's talk a little more about that when we get back. We're going to take a quick break. We'll talk to you in a second. You're listening to Money Talks. When you're pregnant, you start reading about the cost of having a baby. When you start reading about the cost of having a baby, you learn about the cost of sending that baby to college and immediately start saving all your money in a 529 plan. When you save all your money in a 529 plan, you save no money in your 401k, thinking your son will get a business degree from Harvard and take care of you in retirement. When you think your son will take care of you in retirement, he changes majors and gets a degree in jazz studies. When he gets a degree in jazz studies, he moves back home with you and you have to support him. When you have to support him, you don't get to retire. Don't be forced to work through retirement to support your jazz-loving adult son. 
Stop investing without a plan and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Jim Crone. And maybe one day this music will fade away and I can talk uninterrupted about that. Finally. There, there it went. Uh, doesn't sound like a good insurance plan to me, <laughs> making sure that your kid gets a, a good degree. It's probably a good thing, but they could that, take up jazz yeah. studies. You never they know. could, and it costs the same, right, as, oh, yeah, well, as, as, as the other degrees that are out yeah, there. Yeah, you, you do the old net present value calculation, <laughs> and I imagine it costs a whole lot more, though. There's, there there's less return on that investment, that, that's generally. That's true. That's true. Anyway, you can uh, you never know. You might you yeah. might turn out a, a Gregory Hines. Gregory Hines. Or Gregory yeah, Hines. Yeah, there you go. I tell you, I've got a uh, I've got a friend from high school who is a jazz loving adult. He's got a he's actually a composer. Hey. Really? So he's turned he's turned his jazz degree. I don't think it was jazz. It was like music composition or something. Oh, there but, you go. But either way, either way, he's, he's making a living. Is he's what cashing saying. in. It's, cashing in. It's a uh, it's a pretty rare thing to watch an artist actually make a living in yeah, a commercial right. enterprise, but uh, they do it yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys, we were talking about insurance and uh, yeah. the difference between a, a long term policy and and uh, maybe term insurance, like we were talking. But before yeah. you get to that, Jim, let's uh, throw out a way that they can get in touch with us. It is our duty to answer financial questions. You can call us on our question hotline at 1-855-429-9166. And uh, in that regard, you can leave your voicemail, and we will play it on the air and then answer the question behind it. You can also reach us uh, via email, drgene at hensler.com. That Hensler is spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R. You can also call direct and talk to a real person if you'd like. 770-429-9166 is that number. And uh, we'd love to hear from you and answer your questions on the air. So, Jim. Yes. Let's talk about some long-term versus term. We're going to pick it up from the last segment. And, look, at the end of these conversations, we really do need to take uh, each fact pattern for its own detail, right? Because one set of circumstances works out well, uh, but you take that same fact pattern and you go put it over to a different scenario, a different couple, and it may not fit. So but you're saying that financial planning is specialized to the individual, even when it comes to insurance? Even though it, yeah, it wow. could be. Could it be. Depends. KC's it depends. probably got an opinion on that as well. Yeah. yeah. I, would, I would agree with that. But in the realm of what actually a question that came out of this scenario was uh, hey um, somebody else was showing them the permanent option and they're telling us the 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 attributes of what a permanent product was going to offer them and we don't discount any of those attributes but in the fact pattern issues um, what we also make sure of is with a term policy, we would, we do look deep and we, we have access to multiple products from multiple companies. And one of the big features we look at is something called a conversion privilege, which translates to you can lock in a nice low guaranteed term rate today, uh, with a provision that some, if something happens to you medically, um, develop of cancer or other things other things that would really cause problems for you 
after your 20th year, if you wanted to maybe re-enter the insurance and buy something, that could create issues. And so this privilege conversion gives the client the opportunity to, to change their term policy to a permanent policy at any point up to that 20th year uh, without having to go back through an underwriting cycle. So it's a nice feature that we make sure is available for all of our term policies. It gives a nice bridge allowing for if something happened, you, you do have access to something down the road. Options are always uh, beneficial, the, right? It's and always good to have another alternative. It's always good to have that. Now, we also look at costs, right, because options sometimes come at cost. Absolutely. But, but uh, in these scenarios, these are all scenarios where the cost is the same, uh, given the fact that we always have these this feature part of the package when we start the conversation. But, um, you know, maybe transitioning out of this conversation on uh, William and Betty, uh, you know, you look at a different fact pattern where you're looking at somebody maybe that's stepping into retirement. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've had a policy for 10, 15, 20 years. They may have had that permanent policy. They've built up cash value. Um, There was a phrase coined here many years ago called hillcresting. And the, the idea behind that is they're, as a, as a client, they are coming out of one season of life and they're entering a new set of circumstances. And many times when they're sitting on top of that new hill, they're looking ahead, but they got to look, we got to look back and say, okay, well, what did you have that allowed you to feel confident of where you are today? And then can we repurpose some of that and give you something that will retool you to be able to set up for this new season of your life? Right. And many times that conversation flows into you've had life insurance that may have carried you, and obviously you haven't died. So uh, maybe you don't need all of that life insurance that you've carried for many, many years. And maybe now we, we rethink or repurpose that to look at alternatives that, that blend things like long-term care because that becomes much more of a rise a topic that rises to the topic of the, the the conversation yeah absolutely and when we're looking at these scenarios that's kind of how how those things play out you know we'll be talking to a client and they may have a concern about long-term care or, or want some more information about it and you know the first question we have is well what what other policies do you have or do you have life insurance if you've got some kind of permanent life insurance that's usually a really good starting point to to look at maybe we convert that existing policy into something that would provide for a long-term care benefit. Uh, and there's usually some value to that from a tax purpose because you might be able to have access to some of that money if you do have a need for long-term care uh, at a at a at no tax, at tax-free benefit right. a lot of times. Uh, so there's different ways to, that you can optimize uh, what you currently have to repurpose it for your new situation. So that's what Jim is, helps us with all the time. Yeah, there's there's scenarios one after another that we've sort of run into that um, whether it has a starting point of a of a life insurance policy that they've had uh, or maybe an annuity that they have had for many many years and it's a similar conversation, but when you're into that uh, scenario where you're talking to somebody who's approaching retirement. Um, knowing what they have in place today is a meaningful part of this whole conversation. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, got a few questions we can answer. Uh, KC, why don't we start here? Uh, Lynn from Avondale Estate says, I'm hearing a lot of conflicting news about 
Equifax security breach. I've heard that to find out if you've been affected, uh, you have to go to a social, take your social security number, uh, go to the internet, uh, you you load that in. I don't think it's the full security social security number, but no, it's the last. But it is the last six digits, I believe, which is yeah. a lot of it. And uh, you know what they've said is. The the first three a lot of times is just b- given to you by location. It is, yeah, geographical so, yeah, indicator. Uh, it's not that hard to figure out the rest <laughs> yeah. of it if you know the last six. Right. And you um, also have to – part of the question says, uh, you know, in order to get your information, you have to waive the right to the class action lawsuit. Yeah, um, they, they've since taken that – portion of it down i saw that today what a horrible pr move i mean what what kind of we'll protect you but only if you promise not to sue us yes for our for our own fault after you've already i mean you've released 143 million (laughs) individuals personal information and now you want to say hey we screwed up so we're going to give you this benefit but hang on you're going to waive the right to be able to sue us Mm. in the future um they they have since taken that down, so at least uh, somebody made the Smart right call up. on that. Uh, eventually, it took them a while. <laughs> eventually, <clears throat> um, I mean it's just it's a bad situation. There's a lot of people with right. information out there. You know, uh, the the best thing you can do is to just monitor every everything your credit cards, your your accounts, your credit accounts. There's several ways to do that. I mean, the the most surefire way to monitor your credit or to to keep somebody from accessing your credit is to put a freeze right on your credit so there was a problem with the freeze too right people the, were calling and freezing their their uh, credit and it turns out that the the uh, pin number that equifax was giving them was just generated by the date and time that it was it was sent in it wasn't a true random pin number yeah exactly so so it was a it's been a comedy of errors on on uh, several instances with uh uh, with Equifax, um, I, to me, that's another one of those inexcusable yeah. faux pas that yeah. they've created for their their uh, uh, customers. They really have, have dropped the ball on a, a lot of in a lot of ways on this whole thing. Um, you know, we're we're encouraging our clients to freeze your credit if you really are concerned about it. Um, you know, it, there are. You, the, basically, the way you do that is you have to go into each of the bureaus and request the freeze. Uh, you can put a temporary hold on your credit for you know like 90 days, I believe, um, by just alerting one of the bureaus that you might be a victim of identity theft, yeah. and they'll they'll lock it down. So there's some things that, that can be done, but just keep an eye on everything and make sure that you're monitoring all your transactions and and just. You got to be vigilant. Yeah, Casey. Let's uh, take a quick break here, and uh, when we come back, I want to talk about Equifax and uh, what's really going on with the company stock on the investment side of things. In the meantime, uh, stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back. change of pace. Like we come in jazz. last time to, uh, well, it's almost jazz. Okay. Right? We'll probably, yeah, I bet he knows how to play jazz. How about that? <laughs> I bet he does. Maybe. I mean, he learned. Yeah. All right. Well, you're listening to Money Talks. Uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, insurance and uh, a little bit about Equifax in our last segment. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on with Equifax. So if you have watched 
uh, in the aftermath. Hopefully, none of you have invested in the stock of Equifax. Now, part of the issue with me and Equifax is the fact that none of us as consumers actually have chosen to be their client. Yeah. It's not in our court. We can't Default. decide. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that to me is probably the most helpless part. You're in, you know, you feel like there's nothing much you can do. This is somebody you would quit if you could. Mm. Uh, somebody else makes the decision to tie you into that. But uh, in the uh, the aftermath of this debacle and all that's been going on, um, the stock has fallen over 37% since the mm. first of, uh, I think that was the, uh, the 7th. Yeah, yeah. So, so 7th of September, stock down 37%. What does that mean? That's a stock that goes from $146 per share to about 94 mm. It has lost over a third of its total market cap, currently at about $10.8 billion. This company was a 15 almost $16 billion company when all of this started. So, as I said, you don't get the choice to be their client or not. Uh, you might can put some pressure on some of the card providers and, and some of those folks to not use them. Um, but what's going to happen in the end? You yeah, think that's this what I was going to say, Trey. I, mean, I think it's probably short-term. Yeah, be because you, you don't have the choice. So, I mean, they, their revenue is tied to something that is – not an option for people to right. just beyond not our control. buy the product. I right. mean, so business model, if you can get it. It is a good business model. <laughs> Absolutely. So, to be honest with you, I believe that if you if you were to, uh, I would probably wait until you saw the price quit plummeting. But uh, I really think that if you bought Equifax here, just held your nose and made a purchase, you, you're, you've got a likelihood There's a bump of in there somewhere. gain. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think that the lawsuits are going to drive a company out of business. Uh, I'm also not advocating that because we really don't trade, but just saying, you know, this is yeah. one of those things. We talked a little bit about uh, insurers and how they get beaten up during uh, uh, during September Seasons. almost every year. Yeah, yeah. the season. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is probably another one of those. Now, do I think that uh, management has done a poor job? Yes, absolutely, mm -hmm. in, in dealing with that. I'd be also amazed if I saw the CEO come through this without – uh, having lost his job, to be mm -hmm. honest, uh, there's a lot of folks calling for that. And what's probably going to do that is, you know, we've got regulators that are going to come in. They're already talking about the FTC uh, coming in and uh, wanting to know exactly what went on and how they handled it in the aftermath. So, um, yeah, that, you know, it's there, there's a lot going on there. Uh, the dust has definitely not settled and. Uh, like Casey said, most of us are going to sit and wonder exactly how we can protect our our information in this age where it's absolutely necessary to do so. Yeah. Um, probably the best scenario is to freeze your credit and and uh, let the let the dust settle, see yeah. what happens. All right, so uh, got another question again, topical. Uh, Jerome from Atlanta says, while my heart goes out to those in Houston who suffered losses from Harvey. Uh, now the Virgin Islands in Florida being pummeled by Irma. I can't help but wonder how insurers fare as an investment when a uh, disaster uh, like this strike. I know you've recommended travelers in the past. Where do you stand now? Yes, absolutely. We do uh, recommend travelers and several other insurers, many of which are, are smaller companies. Jim, this is not life insurance, so it's a little bit out of the, the, the realm that you deal with all the time, but it's property and casualty 
Um, and, you know, as I talked earlier, a lot of the damage from these hurricanes comes from flooding, and these guys don't sell flood insurance. It's not right. common that a private insurer is going to sell uh, protection against flooding. It's more the wind damage, right? True. And the other thing to think about with insurers in terms of uh, from an investment standpoint um, is, look, this is a highly regulated industry, right? right. Um, they have reserving requirements that they have to have in order to then be able to put a policy in the market. So uh, the policies that are available have been double, triple checked, reinsured, and reserved against so that when losses occur, they don't – it's it's not a – Oh my gosh, we missed that one. <laughs> right. Um, there are a lot of redundancies that are available. Even the investment um, uh, strategies that are going on inside these companies are regulated, so they can't invest in high flying stock. They have to hold the fixed income type instruments, which by their nature uh, allow for access to cash if and when they ever need to. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I'll piggyback onto that with is uh, in the aftermath of the financial crisis in 07 and mm. 2008, uh, I looked into some of the things that might happen if you had an insurer fail. Yeah. And uh, the way that the process works is there's there is funding out there right. uh, that basically if a if a uh, insurance is state to state, right? That's right. And it's regulated at the state level. So if you had an insurer that failed. The other insurers within the state, especially those that would be most impacted by it, are the ones who are likely to pick up the ball, cover the losses for any uh, insureds, right. and and they would move on with that. So while it might not be a funded fund, right. uh, there is a, a backstop. A yeah, pool. Right. There's a there's a backstop that would uh, right. um, protect the uh, the individual from having real losses from an insurance failure. It's in the best interest of society for these insurers to be able to pay their claims. That's right. So, I mean, uh, you know, there's no – it doesn't do anybody much good to see one of these, uh, especially the larger insurers, fail. Um, So that's why they have a a good bit of protection built into the system to allow for uh, contingencies if things don't look as as, – as bright as they otherwise would. So, um, yeah. Right on. That's exactly right. Even, like like you say, by state, they have limits in terms of um, every policy. For example, in the life insurance business, um, whether it is an annuity or in life insurance, there are state-by-state state limits that even if the insurance company that you have as your policyholder was up and gone in any particular day, the the pool, the guarantee fund that's out there uh, is backed up by the state, and it would ultimately make sure that some level of benefits are paid to the certain level. So right. each state has their own number. But yeah. um, but there is a, there is there a is plan number in there. place, and, yep. and uh, they try to limit any losses to the individual. So uh, talking more specifically about travelers, we still recommend that company. Uh, in the, the days from early August through uh, the 7th of September, Travelers lost over 10%. Uh, since then, it's gained about 4% back. So it's since uh, Thursday, uh, September 7th, uh, like we talked about this week, we saw a rally in financials. A lot of it was the insurers. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, still down about 7.3% from the very uh, top in August, uh, you know, early August. But, uh, you know, these things do seem to happen. If you look back at several years past, in 2011, the group as a whole, this is a 
S&P 500 property and casualty insurers, there's about six companies. Travelers is one of them. Uh, they lost 6.5% in 2011, August and September. If you would have invested in late, uh, late September and held through uh, just through October in 2011, you would have made 11 and three quarter percent. Uh, similar pattern, 2015 lost 5.7% in August and September, gained over 8% to the end of the year. Uh, 2016 lost about a half percent, uh, lost another 1.3% in October and gained over 8% in November and December. Now, it doesn't uh, allow for that to be the only thing. Uh, insurance is is uh, pretty sensitive to interest rates as well. So well, you got to think this is like uh, just like anything else. A lot of times the market will overshoot. Absolutely, so overshooting gonna, is an absolute real thing. Expect that you know maybe hurricane season is going to be worse than it is, or in this case, you know Irma did not cause as much damage as they thought it might. So right. now they're they're buying back into the companies because they're you know not going to have to pay out as many claims as they thought they were that's absolutely true sometimes our fears are not uh, based in reality and the reality is better in this case we'll take it right all right so coming up on the end of the show kc i think we're going up this week market's up jim i, I like the annuity market oh player. come on man <laughs> you know me i'm always up money talks we'll talk to you next week All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.